Good morning. Uh, let's just talk about the obvious two things. Uh, starting probably with the most important. Why is there a donkey hanging in the middle of our sanctuary? We played Taco Trivia Wednesday, and that's it. Uh, we just left it. Did Heath say I could leave it? No. Is Heath here? No. So that's fine. That's the number two thing. Where is Heath? He is on a much-needed vacation with his family, uh, running his son around in the sand. Uh, so he'll be tireder next week than this week. But just pray he has a good time. They're on vacation, so that's going to be good. Uh, so he's really struggling right now. Y'all pray for him, you know. It's beautiful down there, and he's just sitting there in the sand. But um, that that's really the two things I wanted to cover. Um, is he going to call? And I, I've thought about it after live stream and go, hey, man, why the donkey? Yeah, but I've just thought, is it worth it? Yeah, okay, so let's, uh, that's, that's it. That's all I got. Uh, you drew the short straw with me today. Uh, I'm not as good as Heath. I'm not a good, I can just tell you, I'm not as good as Heath, but I ain't as long as Heath, so we're going to get out early. And that's the trade-off. You just trade a little time for a little quality. And so that's it. Let's pray, uh, and we'll jump in. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much uh, for your word. Uh, God, don't let me screw it up. Uh, God, we love you. Uh, and just speak through your word today, and you're now pray. Amen. Uh, so if you want to turn uh, to Luke 15, that's where we're going to be. But if you remember last week, uh, we did senior recognition. We had one senior, Miss Gabby, uh, was graduating, and so I gave her a gift. Um, you try to think of things uh, to be personable. She told me she was traveling, so I got her a $50 gift card, gas card. Like, I don't know. Um, that's a couple gallons, and she can get down get down the road a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the perfect gift is. Um, but anyway, one time I found this guy, and he was a huge guy. He's been in the Army. He was a no-nonsense, like a big country bumpkin. And if he's a big country bumpkin to me, he's a big country bumpkin. And so... He, he was a youth pastor, and he didn't give out anything. He would bring these individuals into his office when they were going to graduate, and he would just say yes or no. You got one shot. And it's one shot for him to tell you exactly what he thought of you, good or bad. And he was very honest. Oh, so the question is, like, what if that was us? Like, if, if, if we could sit down in front of him, not me, I'm not doing that, um, I'm like, would you want to know? Like, because at first I'm like, yeah, tell me. Like, I would just be brave and I would walk in, I would kick the door down and just sit in front of him and just take it all. And I wouldn't um, because I just don't, I don't know. I don't know if I want to know. But because here's what I know to be true. When somebody of significant sense across from you and tells you what they think of you, something's got to change at the other side of it. Right? Something's going to be different. Uh, and, and, and so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look, kind of sit across the table and see what God thinks of us today. Uh, and I'll just tell you, like, if you're thinking right now, like, who gave you the authority to do that? Like, you're not even our pastor. Um, I get that. Like, you don't have to take my word for it, though. Like, I'm not, this is not Kenny's opinion. We're just going to walk through the Bible, and you can deal with God after, uh, hopefully, as he speaks to you through his word. Uh, because I'm going to try to leave my opinion out of it. So that's where we're going to go. Luke 15, Jesus gathers a bunch of people. Uh, from all different walks of life, sound familiar, kind of like the room in here, right? We're all pursuing different things. Uh, they all come crashing together, and he starts telling a story. That's where we're going to talk uh, today. So if you want to look at Luke 15, I'll just tell you too, if y'all know this, maybe he won't be listening to the live stream, he puts a ton of verses up there, which is awesome. I don't. So just look at your Bible or your phone. 
Uh, like, I get, it's not their fault they don't know. Like, I just told them, take a break, y'all. He's at the beach. You can just sit back there and not pay attention. So just get your Bible. Here we go. We're going to jump in. Luke 15, it just says this. It just starts. This, just starts. Now the tax collectors and sinners were drawn near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So we got two people we can talk about really quick. Tax collectors, who are they? They're somebody that comes like with us, right? We're not a democracy. At this time, these people were ruled by the Roman Empire, right? So they're, they're, they're ruled, so they don't get to just do what they want. So what they say is the, the Roman government says, Hey, give me 10%, and then somebody, some scumbag in here raises their hand and goes, I'll get that money from them, and then you take 20%. And then we all look at you like you're a punk, right? And we hate you. And so that's where that's kind of where they're at. They're the lowest of society. People hated them. They're considered traitors. You traded us for a check, and we don't like you anymore. So that's a tax collector. A sinner is somebody that's renounced God. And the Jewish law, like back then, they know the laws of God in the Old Testament. But these are the people that said, nah, I don't think I'm going to do that right now. I'm just going to have to step aside, make my own decisions, run my own life. I know the law. Just not going to be a part of it, right? I'm going to set myself aside from the community and do what I want to do. Like, I'm going to use money how I want to use it, morality how I want to use it. I'm going to be socially, just do what I want to do, sexually, do what I want to do. All those things, I'm going to exit the Jewish community, and I'm just going to do what I want to do. And if you know anything about the Jewish community, when you do that, they they shun, right? They shun you, right? There's no unshun. They just shun right and they say hey if you're going to be on the outside we'll leave you there right one rabbi said it this way let not a man associate with the wicked even to speak the law to him so they're not even going to tell you about the law they're not even going to try to bring you in to do right matter of fact we're not going to go near these people so that's what you got you got those people coming to jesus and tax collectors coming to jesus and these these uh religious conservative people don't like it like, they're the partiers, they're the unclean ones, and they see Jesus, like, just talking to them. They're drawing near to him. And they got a problem with that, right? He's eating with them, and they can't even say his name, <coughs> right? They just say, get a load of that guy. He's going, he, he's, he's bringing these people in. If you actually look at the word for receive, it's kind of weird. It's got an emotional spin to it. Actually, it's the word. It's not like he's just bringing them on the field, like letting the gate in the corner, and they're just sitting in the outfield. It's actually embrace them. He's bringing them close to them. He's fellowshipping with them. He looks forward to seeing with them. Let's use the example we all understand. He's eating with them. That's a sign of relationship. It is today. If you go after after this, if you go see me eating and somebody's sitting with me, you can assume I like them, right? That's part of it. If I see you with somebody, I'm going to say, if I don't know you, I'm going to assume you're going to know each other. We very rarely just sit down with somebody we don't know when we eat. You're assuming relationships, so they did too. Jesus, they see Jesus eating with sinners, and they don't get it. They're lawbreakers. Why would you eat with those people? That is not good. That's open, too. It's water. It's fine. It didn't fall on the outlet side, which would have been really cool. But, right, Jesus is bringing these people in. They're seeing him eat with them, and they're like, man, I don't like this at all. Because it's showing a relationship with them. Right? It's it's crazy, but, like, it, 
We do the same thing, though, right? Like, we silo people off that we like and then eat with them, and then we kind of distance ourselves from those people and talk about them, like, politically and socially. Like, we, we get around the people we like, and then we grumble around the people that we don't like, right? That's for Twitter. I think that's what Twitter was invented for. That's okay. Thank you. Oh, perfect. That's fine. It's like, wow. Uh, I like it. But that, that's, what, that's what it's for, right? Like that's, um, that threw me off because she come up here, I didn't know where to go. Uh, but, but that's the people, right? That's what Twitter's for. We're going to talk bad about people. That's what they're doing. But in, in their case, Jesus is here with the sinners and the tax collectors, and they're there, so we don't have Twitter to hide our face. It's getting really awkward really fast. And Jesus in the midst of that says, hey, just let me tell you a couple of stories, and he's going to walk through Luke 15. That's what we're going to see. Right, like really quickly, we're going to see, he goes, don't you, if you were like out of sheep or something, and it ran off, wouldn't you go get it? Like, they're trying to judge him, and you're like, man, even if y'all had a sheep, like, you would go, right? Like, the answer was yes. Back then, it's a no-brainer. Like, if you lost a sheep, you're going to get it. That's shepherding 101. That's the basic thing. You don't lose a sheep and just go, not wolves, and just let it eat. Like, just go. It's part of your life. Sheep, you've got to go get a sheep. Why? Because it's not going to be there in the morning. How's he going to defend himself? He can't bite. They're not that strong. They can't climb a tree. They can't really run fast. I was trying to think of something they could do, like maybe a lizard, how the lizard goes, and then you don't want to touch it. Right? That's just something. I was trying to think of something a sheep could do. They don't even do that. A sheep lives because they're compassionate. Humans are compassionate to them. Right? If a sheep's alive, it's because humans saved it. And so the question is, if God, like, he's like, man, if you're going to be that compassionate with a sheep, like, wouldn't you, wouldn't y'all think God's going to be compassionate, that compassionate with a human being? Like, if I'm going to chase a sheep down, my goodness. Because if y'all lost one today, you would go get it. You would bring it back on your shoulder. We would have a party. You would show your neighbor all those things. What's he doing? He's playing on the compassion we know for animals. Y'all got that, right? You ever lost a dog? I got one right here. Right? Yep. That dude took off running one day when we were here. That's my dog. When we come home from a Sunday, y'all, I hate social media if you've ever not know this. I hate it for everything. I hate it. I hate it. But this one day it helped me. Because my sister, when we found that dog was gone, she put it out there on Facebook, y'all. And I'm talking about hundreds of people are looking for that dog by dinner time. And then like later that evening, May, which was here last week, she sent me a post, that post from the Humane Society. And I thought that's pretty much him. Like I can tell that's him. But he has a Carhartt collar, so I was like, man, if I could get in there just to see that. But they're closed on Sunday, and I'm not patient. So I, I got a cop friend, and I said, hey, bud, uh, why don't you ease over there and see if he's got a Carhartt collar on? And he did. So he sent me a message, and I just loved it. And then this is the best part. He wrote a note to these people in the Humane Society, and it wasn't, like, bad or nothing. But he was like, don't turn this dog over to anybody but Kenneth Blythe and all this stuff. And Blah, 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 and just and then signed it, police officer Lopsy Swat. And I was like, that's something right there. And y'all, for the last 14 hours in there, he, they thought he was a police dog. 
Right. And so when I get over there, they're like, Mr. Blythe, I'm like, yeah, they'll come with us. And so, and I, and I get there and like all the other dogs and I'm down in the vet or whatever the place is, like they, they got them locked up in all these little bitty things. Y'all, he's in like this box kennel that's this big. Like, and he's got toys and stuff, just food laid out. They think it's a police dog. But anyway, and they were like, well, thank you for his service. I was like, yes, ma'am. So here we go. And so I, I had to act for official. Huh. And then I walk him out to the car. And I prayed, Law, when I opened the door, like, if he don't get in this, I have to pick him up. Like, but he got in the car, and I was like, thank you. But anyway, so I got him back. Now he just lives with us all happy and free. Y'all, hundreds of people celebrated. Me and Monica's phone blew up for two days. Y'all, if we'll celebrate that, a holy, holy God, surely to goodness, he'll celebrate us, right? If we wonder how God feels about us, it'll pale in comparison to this, right? God, God is a searching God, and if you are lost and distant from him, like he will search for you and he will celebrate you when you come close, right? When we know him, there is joy. There's a celebration. And so I know maybe somebody in the room's like, hey, when I think about how God feels about me, like to think he's compassionate, searching for me or seeking you this morning or us this morning, some of us doubt that. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it's because no one's ever searched for you. Like maybe you didn't have parents that, that drew you in. Maybe your, your significant other doesn't pursue your heart. But what I can tell you is God does, right? The, the, that, that's the truth. God is telling you, like, I'll, I'll seek you and find you, right? And love you when you get here. And then he, he runs into another story, which I kind of, like Monica said, what are you going to say about the coin? He says the same thing um, when we were talking about it. I, so he goes to the coin. Like, what's the coin story after the sheep story? And so, like, maybe he's just trying to loop everybody in, like trying to be universal. Like, guys, y'all know sheep, but ladies, you know that change. Y'all can spend it. And <laughs> maybe, maybe he's looping it in. Like, I don't know, but the, the, the thing is, actually, what he's doing is some people in the room, when he says that, some people go, no, 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 no. I see that he's searching. I don't think he's going to search for me. Like, I see the shiny, new, cute people, but I'm not one of those. And so he's not going to search for me. So what happens? Jesus doubles down on the story, and he starts adding intensity, right? We're going to get equipment out. This lady is starting to find a coin, right? She's going to get a lamp, and she's going to sweep the house, and she's going to find a coin. He, she's bringing in equipment to help, right? She's got a flashlight if they had them. She's got brooms. She's kicking over furniture, all the things. Y'all dug in a couch for a quarter before. Don't lie. I have to. You're getting after it. And again, if we'll do that for a quarter, if we get that for a piece of metal, drop your wedding ring, see how fast you go after it. If we'll get that for a piece of metal, don't you think God's going to care more about us than that? You think we're just going to wander into some trouble, wander into some lost place that we were meant, never meant to go, don't know how to get out of, and we think God's just going to go, hmm, shame on them. Shouldn't have never went. I think I'm just going to leave them there and not care. See, Jesus sees in the story, like these judgmental people, like you're trying to judge tax collectors and sinners. And he's like, no, 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 see, we bring them in. Like they're the most welcome people here. 
And that's the point. And Jesus says, like, I'm going to tell you, angels of God rejoice when one sinner repents. You come to know God through Jesus Christ. What heaven throws a party. And I'll tell you, if you have trouble believing in that, maybe you've never been celebrated. Maybe no one's never thrown you a surprise party. And if we did today, it would just be socially awkward and you would cry. But the point of it is, I'll tell you, if you've never felt celebrated, it don't matter. God wants to celebrate you. When somebody comes near to God, he's going to celebrate them. Heaven's going to rejoice when people come to know him. See, God is a searching and a celebrating God. He is seeking you, and God wants to know you. And when somebody responds to that, I'm just going to tell you, there's going to be rejoicing. Love seeks. And I'll be plain honest with you as a church, so should his people. So should his people. Ooh, it's supposed to go again. Y'all ain't even been paying attention to me. Y'all been watching that thing walk it out. Okay. Start over. No, just kidding. I got a picture. If you were born in 19, if you were alive in 87, you remember this. Um, if you weren't, shut up because you're young. Deal with your own problems. But in 87... There was an 18-month fall down an 8-inch well, 22 feet to the bottom. Jessica McClure in Midland, Texas. Uh, Yep, it's the baby Jessica story. You can Google it. She's like 30-something years old now, which made me even feel old. You let a baby fall 22 feet down an 8-inch shaft. They could hear her singing nursery rhymes. That's how they knew she was alive. And um, she's 22 foot down there. Wasn't normal really for media coverage to cover everything at the time. Everything shut down and this sucker was covered 24-7. The community shut down. Midland, Texas shut down. How are we going to get her out? They dig beside it like as hard as they can go. And they pick that man up and move him, put another one down in there. And they're going to dig this thing 22 foot. When they get to her, they're going to drill a shaft across and pull her out. Uh, Ronald Reagan said this, everyone in America became godfathers and godmothers of Jessica while this was going on. They dug for three days in the night of October the 16th. A photographer of the Associated Press said he stood 24 foot on top of a ladder, and he remembers as they started drilling this way. It's very dangerous because if they hit her, it's over with. And it was quiet as a pin drop with a 1,000 people around And everybody just watched. And then the next day on the Odessa American newspaper, Scott Shaw put this picture on there. He was on a cherry picker about two yards over. He won a Pulitzer Prize. Y'all, if you want to go back and look at some pictures, there's some grown men weeping when that baby comes out of there. Like they got mustaches, big mustaches, because it's in Texas. (laughs) Got hats, big hats. Hey, I'm talking about weeping. Why? Because somebody descended into a grave, and now they're alive again. See, it's the same story Jesus is telling. That's how Jesus feels when the lost get saved, when the distance, when the distant come near. That's how God's people are meant to feel. See, and he's primarily speaking to religious people because he's trying to tell them God is a searching and a celebrating God. Because the point is, if you're on board with that, like if you're on board with God, you'll be on board with searching and celebrating lost people. 
But if you're like more likely to critique a sinner than seek one, you've missed the whole point. Right? If you'll go online to cut them down and not lean in to help them, you've missed the point. But God don't matter how far you've fallen. Like that's the message. God don't matter how far. Like he still wants you to come. That's the first two stories. And I'm just going to jump into the third one. Because what's happened by now? we got tax collectors and sinners and Jesus over here. And he's talking to these people out here. And y'all know they got to be going, yeah, y'all better listen. Right? He's talking to y'all. Me and Jesus, we're on the same team. Right? Y'all better listen up. Right? We're on the same team. we got the same jersey on tonight. All these judgmental people. Y'all better start listening. We're, on the club. we're in the club with Jesus today. That's right. Y'all better take that. Y'all better take that lesson. You better not judge me, right? And then, then Jesus starts in another story, and all that chatter. They go, oh, oh hang on a minute, because he starts talking about two stories now. He's talking about two sons, and he starts talking about one. And you can read along. It says the younger son even said to the father, "Give me the share of your property that's come to me." That's deep, and that. Y'all, we can stop there. That's deeply offensive. You go to your parents and just tell them to give you your stuff. You don't care if they're dead or not. That's tough. Like, that's a tough sentence to say. I don't care what your relationship with your parents are, right? And that's what happens. Like, he just looks at the guy and says, Hey, I don't want a relationship with you. I don't want to know you. I just want your things. That's tough. I don't even want to wait till you're dead. Just give me my things. If you're a father in the room and your kid come up and said that, that's going to sting a minute, isn't it? That would be personal. And then shockingly, what's the dad do? He gives him his stuff. I would have kicked him and just like some kind of, right, we're going to fight or something, arm wrestle, something. He doesn't. The fascinating thing is Jesus just says he gives him his stuff. And the word for property actually that they use is boss, which means life. So it meant a lot more than that than just property, right? It was his life. It was what he's built up. It was what he was going to give to his kids. He's given his son's life. He's given his son's life. And this dude said, let me just have it. So he gave it to him, and he travels to a foreign country. We all know how this story ends. He squanders it on reckless living. He turns it into cash. What, he's late teens, early 20s, right? What does that sound like nowadays? We're going to college, baby. We're supposed to have a party. Right, he's got daddy's money, he's going to a distant land, and I ain't living with my parents anymore. I'm going to go bananas. See, people being an idiot in college is not a modern experience. we got an example of it here. Right, Young people have been going crazy for years. Right, But he's telling a fascinating story. Because the thing is, tax collectors and sinners are sitting there and they're like, wait a minute, that, that's us. You're talking about us. We're the wanderers. And see, even if you were there and you were represented by that story, you're like, man, that, dude, that's cold. I wouldn't have even done that. So now they're almost offended because Jesus is like painting them in a bad light almost, right? Actually, every way you can offend somebody, that's what he does. Culturally, does it. Relationally, does it. Hey, God, I, I don't even want a relationship with my father. I just want my stuff. Socially, what's that look like? Hey, I don't care about my family. I just, I just want your stuff, and I want to go. That'd be a tough way. That'd be a tough thing to have to defend if you're the dad. Religiously, God has blessed him with the land. That's how his dad sees it. It's all a blessing from God, and he's took that. So religiously, he's out. 
He sells it, liquidates it, throws away all the gifts of God. Nationally, what does he do? He goes to another land, a distant country. Why? So he can live without rules. And then even morally, he's just going to go take stuff and party. So again, even if you're the one of the ones standing there with Jesus, you're like, hey, dude, settle down. That's a little harsh on us there, ain't it, bud? Like, that's cold. And Jesus says, see, that's what happens. The son wonders. He takes his dad's life that he's been given. He goes his own direction. He rebels. And then verse 14 says what? He spent everything and a famine arose in the country and then he become in need. Let me tell you how that works. Two chaoses are going to be in your life. Two kinds. One is inevitable chaos. The other one is invited. Inevitable invited inevitable comes out of doing anything you're going to be sick you're going to have a test you're going to wreck your car somebody's going to hit you all the things that you go through that aren't your fault that go sideways on you when you don't need it that's inevitable chaos you can't help it it's coming if you're not in the middle of it right now wait a minute it's going to hit you square in the left left side of the head but see then there's another chaos that we bring into our lives ourselves. When we make stupid decisions and make do things that we know we're not supposed to do, we go, hey, I don't care. I just want to live for now. I don't care what the Bible says. I, they, I know better than that. That's old. And I just want to do whatever I want. See, when we bring that kind of chaos in our life, that's what's, that's tough, right? Because that, you, let me tell you what usually happens. When we're running in the middle of that chaos, that's when inevitable chaos hits us. And then what? Your whole life's a wreck. Right? Your whole life's a wreck. This dude's spending money. He's out of control. But then a famine hits, and now he's in need. So I remember in high school, I had a friend die of a car wreck. And I looked around and realized nobody in high school can process death. We're looking to the next weekend or the next stupid thing we're going to do. And so I looked around at this house we're sitting at. Nobody knows how to process this thing. And then what I see over time is people go back to the only thing they've been investing in in, in high school at the time is drugs and alcohol. Right. And see, that's when God usually, that's when we usually run to God, isn't it? realizing I've brought my own chaos into my life, then inevitable chaos comes because it's coming anyway. The Bible even talks about that. And then so the things I've been collecting in my chaos, what I find out is it's hurting me. It's not helping me. It's not giving me life. See, that's what happens to this boy. See, famine comes and he realizes, uh uh-oh, everything I've been working for, all these things I'm investing into my life aren't worth a mess. Right, and he becomes desperate. Verse 15 says what? He went and hired himself out and the citizens of that country. He's going to take care of some pigs, y'all. That's a bad deal for a Jew. But he's desperate. He just needs some shelter. Right? That's where he's at in his life. He's working with pigs. And then verse 16 says he's longing. You look it up, it says literal. He's lusting to be fed the pigs' food. Nasty. And no one gave him anything. See, in a famine, undoubtedly, pigs are more valuable than foreigners. Like his only job this guy could get was serving pigs. And he begins to starve, and everything the pigs are looking eating, he's like, man, that looks tasty. And nobody gave him anything. And I'll just tell you, that works itself out in our society a lot, because what happens is I pursue what I think is life. 
I pursue that. But in rather than it giving me life, it takes life from me. Right? I have a quote from the great theologian Johnny Cash. And he says this, and I struggled with one of the words so far anyway. After he had lived a crazy life of partying, 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 this is it. I struggled in the first service. Partying? Partying. Whoo! (laughs) Stay with me because I may need you to holler. He says, after living a crazy life of and drugs, you know what I figured out about drugs and he says, when you think you're taking it, then you quickly realize it's taking you. And see, people pursue things that give, they think they give them life, and then they don't. And here's what I'll give you credit for. I think a lot of us in the room would say, I'm not a drug addict, Kenny. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a fill-in-the-blank addict. But the scary part of that is I think we just don't, we don't put all our eggs in one basket. See, we spread, our, we spread the love out. And we don't just invest in all all of one bad place. We diverse our portfolio when it comes to rotten sin. And I think that's maybe that. Maybe we're not looking for just one thing, like just fame. Like I'm not just looking for fame or just success or just money or just attention. I just want a little bit of all that. And then when I get a little bit of all that, that's what's going to bring me life. And I can tell you, I'm not old, but I've seen it. I've seen a lot of people get all they wanted. And they're still in really bad need. But all the things they wanted were piled up. Still in really bad need. Uh, as a youth pastor, it's been a youth pastor a long time. I've had kids graduate college, get a job, and come to me and go, Is this it? This is what we're working for? And I go, yeah, that, you know, and all the times you weren't listening, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> right? But, that, but that's the thing. Like, we don't want to get to the place where we think everything we've invested is and slipping through our fingers. Right? Let's invest in something that matters. And this boy goes to a far country and goes, man, I've hit rock bottom. My God, this stinks. Right? And maybe you're there this morning. Look at verse 17. It says, then he came to himself. Which, that's good. Because he said, hey, and he starts comparing himself to his dad's workers, and maybe I could just, I could, I'm struggling. What does he think of? Daddy. Right? He's going to run to daddy. Because daddy's at least taking care of his folks. And so when he goes home, y'all know he's walking, like he's just walking or whatever. He's riding a horse or whatever they did. But he comes up with this script, like, I'm just going to say, Father, I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be called your son, all of which is true. But he's coming up with all this stuff. Like, treat me like one of your servants. Because I'll tell you, in the midst of all that, that's a perfect perfect picture of repentance, if you want to know. Like, I've gone directions in my life that I thought would bring me life, and it didn't, and I have to drop them here. Like, I I don't want to go any further down that road. And as Jesus is telling that story, he's not saying, like, I want you to go wreck your life so you have to come back. He'll save you if you do. But he's also, I think, trying to warn us, let's not do a bunch of dumb mess so God's got to pull you out of the wreckage. Right? We can can save on on the chaos on our end. Because here's what I promise you. 
I don't know much. But I know being a servant of God is a lot better than being the king of your own world. Right, that's what I can tell you. Take that one to the bank. And so he decides what to go home and see his father. What happens when he's going to get there? I have a college Bible study, and I ask these college kids, what would they do if they were in that scenario? That's a ruthless bunch of college kids, right? <laughs> Chesney's one of them. And so they gave no mercy, no mercy. Uh, it was a lot of physical beatdown. So what's going to happen? He's going to walk back. His dad's going to have to shame him, right? He's going to have to be humiliated. He's going to be run out of town. He's going to be killed. But he's desperate. And verse 20 says what? He arises and he goes to his father. And then the text twists like crazy. He says while he's still a long way off, his father felt compassion and ran to him and embraced him and kissed him. You ever kissed a pig farmer? Right. The stink didn't even hold him back. Right. The father's not afraid. And then what does he do? He hits that script. Father, I have sinned against you. I'm no longer be worthy to be called your son, and that's as far as he gets before the father embraces him and hugs him and takes him in. But one thing I can tell you about repentance, and we can learn here, is he didn't list off a bunch of excuses. He, did, he didn't list excuses. Like he said, Father, I'm not worthy of your son, and just left it. He didn't blame his circumstances. Like, well, if the famine wouldn't have hit, I would have been fine. Like, it, he didn't blame the community. Like, the pig farmer didn't pay me enough. If he would have paid me enough, I knew it. I could have done it. Right? He don't blame his family. Like, if my brother wouldn't have been so judgmental, I wouldn't have left. He doesn't even blame his dad. Like, hey, dad, I don't know what gave you the idea to give me all that money when I asked, but that was dumb. Like, you should have taught me finances better. He doesn't do that. What's he do? He just repents. And that's what we're meant to do. Under God, just repent. Right? Just, I can't do it anymore. And be done with it. Because God, what pursues us? And so there's going to be things in your life that are breaking you and stealing life from you. And God, God don't want you to fix all that before you come to him, is what I'm trying to say. Just throw up some empty hands and say, man, I'm not worthy. And I'll tell you how that story ends. It's from a long way off. He'll come running. Right? You can sin against him. He's not even going to wait for your speech to end. He's going to run. He's going to embrace you and kiss you. He's actually going to put a robe on you. And it's not one he's got sitting aside. It's his. He's going to cover your stank up with his robe. Right? And that's what we need. He gives him a ring. He gives him some shoes. He even kills a fattened calf. He's been saving Let's kill it today. Let's throw a party. Right? That's the heart of God. That's how he feels about us. When we're a long way off, he runs. And so I'll say, I don't know what brokenness you're going through today. No matter how far you are off, God comes, he seeks, he embraces those who repent. Right? He tells us that. He celebrates you today. He'll throw a party. But before we end, and I'm pretty much done, let's just sneak in there on that other son for a second. What's he do? He comes rolling in there asking questions like, hey, uh, what's going on? What's all the... It says he heard music and dancing. I can hear music. If I hear you dancing, you're out of hand. <laughs> right? 
And so that's, he hears music and dancing, right? Like, what, hey, hey, what's going on in there? And his servant says, hey, your, your brother's home. He's killing the fattened calf. And he goes, hey, daddy, let's talk about this for a second. I've never done all that crap that you're doing. No, 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 no. I've been here this whole time. I'm trying to be a good kid, so when you give your stuff away, I deserve it. See, when you give your stuff away, I'm still here for the stuff. But I just wanted to be first in line. And that's what burdens. That that sounds like church people, don't it? Like, that's what's tough. Because that's the judgmental. And like, what does he do to the judgmental? He doesn't just blow them off and be like, hey, get out of here. The story is, the father loves the judgmental too. He comes running to the judgmental too. He tries to talk the son in. Hey, just come in here and enjoy it. It's worth it. What's the older son say? I don't love you either. I was just here so when you gave your stuff away, I could be, I could be the good kid. Maybe I get some extra stuff. What does that mean for us today? We can be as lost in church as we are in the club. Right? That's the truth. And if it, we can be lost sitting in the pew or we can be sitting with the pigs. Like if we use God just to be a good person, to try to manipulate, maybe he gives us a bunch of stuff. That's tough. That's tough. And I, I would say, if you wonder if that's your heart, like if you... If you don't get your way and you get angry every time, I'd take a peek at it. You know, if you don't get celebrated the way you think you should get celebrated every time you do something, you get bitter, I'd take a peek inside. Because here the son's angry. But just remember, the the guy doesn't kick him away. He pleads with him too. Like, you're, you're mine too. I'll celebrate you too. You're lost too. And when you're found, I'll celebrate you too. That's the thing. There's two ways we can be lost in this story. We can live a crazy, stupid life, or we can just try to be the good kid and manipulate God to get stuff. Right? But we can be lost both ways. I think both of them miss the heart of God. We can run from God in a bunch of directions. It can be conservative, it can be liberal, it can be left, it can be right. Right? But we have to go back home really one way. And that's through repentance and grace. Right? That's us coming back to him with a compassionate heart. He's seeking, he's waiting on us. But I'll tell you, the son started the sentence. Right? And so God is compassionate on us this morning, whether you're the partier or the judger. He, he loves you. And he's coming for you. And he, he wants us to repent and draw near to him. But if you look at the story, there's three sons, right? There's the lost one that runs away. There's the judgmental one. And then there's the son of God. And he's there to say, man, this is our God. This is what he thinks about you. Like when you struggle, when you're judgmental, when you do stupid things, when you run off, I'm here for you. God's here for you. Patrick's coming. To sing the last song. As he does, just remember this. Kind of like that Jessica thing, right? Jesus has reached way down deep to draw us out of death, hasn't he? 
like the cross thing is huge. And just know when you come to Jesus and ask him for forgiveness, that's enough. He'll embrace you right there. He's not going to kick you in the back of the shins, sit you down and ask for all kinds of explanation. He wants he wants you to be honest. He wants you to come to him and he's there waiting as soon as you get there. That's how our God feels about us, whether we're wild and crazy or we're judgmental, judging those people. We both need Jesus today. So if you have any questions about that, I'm going to be here. we got decision counselors by the back door. The altar is always open to pray, and I'm going to pray now. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Uh, God, and what we can learn from your parables and stories throughout the book of Luke. And God, I pray for everybody in the room today. God, that we know you're a loving, serving, compassionate God with your arms wide open. And all we got to do is run. So be with us. We love you. You're not afraid.